Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 All right, welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest guests for you. And the guest for this episode is Kiki Young. She is a comedian, producer, director, writer. She's the founder and producer of the comedy show Crazy Woke Asian, along with the writer and director of the romantic comedy series Sweet and Sour Chicks that is currently in the making. And plus, she is one of the funniest mothers on the internet. How you doing? Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, it's, this has been a long time in the making. We were trying to do this at the end of the last year and stuff like that. And yeah, I uh, it just didn't happen, but uh, that's fine because I was kind of like, that was one thing I like, we were talking before the, I, before the uh, we started recording and everything, is that. With this whole quarantine and everything, I'm able to. I was able to catch up on things. And my problem was at the end of the year, it was like I was doing too many interviews, and I was like, I got like 15 interviews uh, recorded. Now I gotta post them all, and I was just like, ah. Uh, so I was just like, but it's because sometimes you do like a whole bunch of interviews, and then you just have like a whole, like another month, you just you know edit and put them all out. That's right? what I was trying to do, but I did too many, and it was getting <laughs> to the point where I'm like, oh damn, man. I'm like, how am I gonna catch up? And then about then it was just all other things that was going on, and I was just like, Christmas. It, it, then there's just things that was going on in my life, just being exhausted, being overwhelmed with things to the point where I'm like, oh, I just don't even want to do anything. Yeah, I, I get like that too. Like, yeah, sometimes you just you just want to do so much, and then you 
you just forget that you need to just take it easy sometimes, you know? There's right. So many things you want to do, so little time, and then you get really burned out. Oh yeah, that's I definitely just got burnt out, and then so, yeah. And, but I but I never I'm like yo when it happens it happens and it usually happens at the best time, yeah. And I think this is a good time, you know, we're uh, we're all hunkered down into the to the quarantine. The quarantine all, life. Quarantine <laughs> life. <laughs> And uh, well, you, you've been keeping things, you know, you've been keeping things running, you know, yeah. the, uh, during your quarantine life, you know, through, uh, you know, Instagram live and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Kind of, you know, talk about how you've been dealing with, you know, keeping your stuff going, creating opportunities for other people during this whole quarantine. Well, I just, you know, like everybody at first, I was just a little, I felt a little panicked, like, oh, wow, no more live shows. Okay. And then... My son, he couldn't go to school anymore. I was like, uh, okay, no more mommy me time. Except when I locked myself in the bathroom, like for like five minutes, and then he'd be like, bang, 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 I want to come into the shower with you. But um, from that, I was like, you know, I got to adapt. Maybe I'll try this Instagram live. Like everyone was doing it. I, I just click on people's live, and I was like, this is kind of fun. And, you know, I, I like to sing karaoke for my mommy me time. So I, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just try doing this on the Instagram live. And then people were like requesting songs. And then, and I was like, oh, what about the comedians? You know, really, they lost all the gigs, the ones that are like traveling a lot. This is like really bad. Like, how are they going to make any money for a long time? Right. So I thought, well, maybe I should try to do an Insta Instagram live karaoke show, the Crazy Wogation karaoke party. Because, um, you know, the comedians feel strange to to do stand up on Instagram live. Cause really it's just two people and you can't feel right. the audience. It's, the point is to have an audience. So we did the karaoke and then we did a woke uh, lightning round of Q and a, and then um, that was kind of fun. And then I started seeing all these zoom shows and I was like, Oh, I don't know what the zoom is about. I actually in San Diego, my agent sent me an, uh, uh, an audition for them a long time ago for, for the zoom industrial, you know, where I pretend to be one of those people in the office. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I'm like, Zoom, that sounds familiar. And that was it. Um, so I I said, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this. You know, of course, when I when I did the first Zoom show like two weeks ago, we had like around 50 people around there. And I was so surprised. And before that, I was a little nervous. I'm like, what if it clicks off? What if I can't join? What if people can't join? What if they're trolls, you know? Come on, say racist things. I don't know, like things can happen right but uh it all worked out you were there thanks for supporting yeah that's fun and, yeah it was fun people felt like they were socializing because you can see everyone and then you can hear them laugh except when they talk that one lady that was talking i was like who's that heckling <laughs> right right they're just somebody randomly talking like the whole time totally the forgot that their mic is on and like yeah. <laughs> i make a, an announcement before so i learned Right. But, uh, yeah. So, and I thought, oh, if I could just raise some money and get donations, then I split it, you know, among the comedians. So that can help anything, you know, even like $40, $50, you know, whatever it is, it just helps buy a meal or, I don't know, put gas in the car if they had to go anywhere, you know. So that's how I, I started doing that. And it made me focus on helping people and not like wallowing in like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be at home no more live shows being all panicked and everything so that that helped me too as much as it helped the comedians but yeah 
Right. Yeah, you've all, you know, with all your projects, it's always been about creating opportunities for the Asian community. Like, what really motivated you to do that? I just, there wasn't that many, you know, opportunities for Asian and Asian women, particularly uh, Asian female comedians, even. I felt like, you know, that there's always been Margaret Cho, which I, I like. And uh, yeah. who else? Yeah. Way before, like way when in the 90s when I was growing up, like that's all I saw. Who else? Do you know any other Asian female comedians back then? No, like there's there's certain things like in our in our uh, in our culture where they'll like let one person in from a Uh, uh, from a minority. And like like that's it. Like in Margaret Cho was the one person who let they let in. Yeah, and but they're like, canceled and bye bye. Yeah, they're like, okay, they will, you know, we'll let you do stand up and have give you stand up specials. We'll like everything, but um, you're you're the only one, you know. No one, um, oh, there's another Asian. Oh no, 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 we already got Margaret Cho, so we can't give you an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's always stuff like that. That always, and and, that, and that's that's kind of across the board for like sort of minorities where you like you feel like like they they let one person in. And yeah. then, like, oh no, you can't have a show because oh, Margaret well, Cho's show didn't uh, Margaret Cho's show didn't uh, last, so we can't uh, work with you because it's obviously you know it's obvious that Asian com- wants Asian. Yeah, you're like Asian comedies aren't gonna are not successful, you know, blah blah blah. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I I saw this documentary. I think it was. Uh, about Eddie Murphy or one of the main big black comedians like in the 80s 90s and it, it was the same thing it was like only a few or one or two famous black comedians you know and and it was like yeah there's only one we let one in at a time or two yeah they just let a few in you know just to show their like like diversity. their diversity they're like like here's my black friend you know? <laughs> yeah but yeah and so that and just you know at school i was the only asian in like well i went to a theater school so i was like the one asian out of the 15 students in the class and i I don't know i just always felt like i don't want to wait for people to hand me a project or give me an opportunity i've always been my dad's an entrepreneur um so i i've always felt like I'll, i'll create something and I can, and then I started creating like when I was at the University of Washington, when I was taking my undergrad, when there were barely any roles for the Asians, okay? And I would do running crew and <laughs> there were no roles. It was like, great, this is, this sucks. And uh, I think that all that built up over time, you know, <laughs> and it made me like really learn all the different sides of production yeah, and writing and learn how to direct and learn how to work with actors. So I, I just, you know, and so I used to produce theater in Seattle and San Diego. So producing comedy shows is actually simpler because you don't have to rehearse, you know? Right. If you get a good lineup, they know what they're doing. Just come on, come to the show and, you know, get on the mic and there you go. Um, yeah. When was sort of like the first time that you kind of uh, thought, hey, you know, maybe I could be doing this for for a while, even if I have to be doing this by myself or, you know, leading the charge and developing my own things. You know, when was that first time when you're like, you know, I, I kind of understand this now, so I think I can, you know, continue on and continue to learn things. 
You mean producing the crazy vocations or, or just producing? Just in general, stuff? you know, just, you know, from when oh. you were, from when you were first starting to, you know, the produce now. stuff and everything when you're in school and everything. And after that, when was the first time you were like, you know, what? I want to do this, you know, for a while. And I feel like I can handle this. Um, I think before, like right after I graduated, I produced some sketch comedy shows for a while and like. I had like a co-crew and like a whole cast of actors and we would rehearse all the time. Um, and I thought I, I can, I can do this. I was still learning back then, like do the marketing and stuff, but the content was funny, you know, from the feedback of the audience. But, uh, I, I felt like, I felt like I could do it because there were other people that were coming to the show that were like, trying to see what we're doing. <laughs> so it was like, oh, let's check you out and see what's going on. So I felt like there must be something I'm doing right. Right. Because people, people are talking about it. They want to come see the show. And then when I'm – so after I graduated from University of Washington, I went to Hong Kong for a while, and I lived there for a little bit, and I taught English drama, and I did some films and, you know, auditioned for a while. So – and I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to make it in America. Like, I feel like I want to make it in, in the USA. I, I don't know. It's just that feeling. I don't know. I can't even explain it. I just wanted to come back and make it here first. So I came back and then, um, and then I think when I had my, my son, um, I just felt like, man, I really, I really want to try something new. Like I always liked stand up, but I always felt like, it's so much harder than acting because you cannot put on a character. You have to be you and just be okay yeah. if you bop. But uh, I took a class and then I, I don't know, from then on, I, it all kind of clicked when I started book, booking comedy shows and I see all the shows. There's like me, the only Asian, or maybe one other one. And then I met so many of us, though, that are different, you know, because not Asians all like look alike or sound alike. But, right. And then I thought... Wouldn't it be cool to just put everybody together, right, on one show and then see what happens? Because I feel like there's so much talent and so so much like um, demand for for people want to come see the shows. Not just Asians, like any kind of people, you know. Um, so I I started doing the show May 2018, and it sold out like two weeks before, and I was like, wow, okay. And then I just kept doing it, and then people kept coming to see the show and they were supporting and and then I was like this is pretty fun and so I, I produced the all first ever all Asian solo performance festival because I used to have a one woman show too and I was probably like the only one or two Asians in the whole fringe festival yeah right so I was like huh there must be other Asian people that can do these solo shows that I just never met so, so I started producing that. And last year, I did that um, at the Santa Monica Playhouse. And then we, we somehow we partnered with NBC. So th these are like surprises. I think I wasn't expecting, you know, to partner with any network. So we, we partnered with them and we, we sold out a, a bunch of shows. And it was really fun. And, and then this year, we're doing it again, but we're postponing it. But um, I feel like there are so many Asians that are they're, talented they just waiting to to have the opportunity like i was to like shine to you know share their story and stuff so in you know in all sorts of entertainment there's definitely like the the asian stereotypes yeah. you know what 
what stories from you know from the Asian's perspective do you you know you want to see more of that you don't see enough of? Like single mom comedians. <laughs> yeah, like single. <laughs> That's the character I play in Sweet and Sour Chicks. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, single mom comedians, you know, like more more three dimensional, like. They can be sexual without being overly like, like dragon lady type, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, they can also be smart or, you know, what types of Asian characters? Um, they, they don't have to speak with an accent, you know, they can just be them that happen to be Asian, you know, um, what other type of characters? People that are very successful in business or people that are actually working class too, you know? Yeah. That that really bad at, at math. <laughs> really bad at math. <laughs> that are not frugal at all. They like to spend every dollar. Right, right. <laughs> funny, huh? I should write a character like that. Yeah, just spend everything. Like like they wear their shoes all over their house. Right? And then they they eat rice with fork. That would be funny. <laughs> total opposite of a normal stereotypical asian right 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 you know as somebody um you know you you, you put your motherhood out there and yeah. you know and everything and your your son is so cute i i i can't even deal he's so cute and um even you know writing a character you know being like me and a single mom or in, in um, sweet and sour chicks. There's always that stereotype with uh, Asian uh, characters or, you know, Asian moms and stuff uh-huh. where it's like the stone cold Asian mom that's, you know, just says Why it how, like- says it how it is, you know, yeah. won't, you know, you know, touch you or kiss you or hug you any of that you know do you like um you got 99 why didn't you get 101 right stuff like that and i know you know that exists but do you know do you hope that like there's more mother you know asian mother characters that are just a lot looser yeah yeah definitely yeah i play i play pretty loose one <laughs> on my <laughs> a loose in many different ways <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I think these days anyway, this new generation, a lot of moms are pretty cool, you know, they drink wine in front of the kids, you know, they, they're not like trying to make them achieve constantly, and uh, they don't beat them. <laughs> I do curse in front of my son sometimes, all the time, no, sometimes. Sometimes, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all the time? All the- well, he's going to learn the words. F and S anyway someday. Might as well now, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, it's terrible. But, uh, I mean, I'm pretty loose with my son. See, he's banging on that door. Um, he, he's, he can hear me laughing. He's like, fun. I sense mom is having fun. Bang, I'm going to ruin it. <laughs> I'm going to terrorize her. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, more moms that way would be good. You know, because they are tiger moms, but there's nothing wrong with being a tiger mom either, you know? Right. My mom was like that little... She actually saw something I did on YouTube. I think it was like a tiger mom character. And she's like, you think I'm a tiger mom? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're the one who told me you got 99, you get 100. 
She's the one that tell me you don't do your homework. I'm gonna cut your hair off. She cut my hair off so short that it looked like you, like a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you imagine like this? My hair, like it was so short. I had short hair all my life. Like, like it was like a boy for a while. It was like a bowl cut. Like she right. put a bowl on top of my head, and she just you just look like the like, a little Asian boy. But but that's why I always have long hair because she, she wouldn't let me because I would just. She she says that I just play with my hair and braid it all day, all night, and not do my homework. So that's what I got. I mean, I was so scared of my mom that like one time she gave me all these flowers to give to the convent, like the nuns at my convent school in Hong Kong, like it's a Catholic school. And I, somehow I stepped in a ditch, like like there's the cobblestone up the hill, and I was holding like five bouquets of, <laughs> of flowers for my freaking the nuns, for the teachers and the nuns. And then I stepped into a hole, and then. My whole left leg like went inside the freaking the I don't know what you call that a, it's a ditch I don't know it's yeah. a hole and my whole leg was I was like the first reaction was oh my god mom's gonna kill me I dropped all the flowers on the floor yeah forget about my leg you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> the crap about my leg who cares <laughs> and uh, I didn't even tell her till weeks later. When a bone grew out of my my leg, I'm not kidding you. Like an extra ankle came out of my leg. My, I mean, not my leg, my foot. Ooh. <laughs> but it's not gross. But but then she tried to take me to a a Chinese herbalist or whatever. I don't know chiropractor, and she 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 just tried to press the bone. Oh back. my god. <laughs> she tried to press the bone back into the foot, and and then. I was like, no, mom, it really hurt. I was like ten, maybe, and then she took me to a doctor, got an X-ray, and then my bone cracked in the X-ray because she pressed it too hard. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Wow. Um, I don't have attention about my mom, but she is a character. Let me tell you. All right. So, um, you grew up in Hong Kong, and then you uh, moved into a uh, moved. Uh, to the states when you're a teenager? Yeah, when I was 12, like to Bothell, Washington. Ooh, the boonies. Oh man. So how was that transition, man? How were how did you like uh, you know, what was it like gr- growing up in Hong Kong? Oh, Hong Kong was fun. My dad, he he um like I said he was a, he was an entrepreneur. So he was actually like the licensee for Walt Disney. So his his company created like manufactured all the Disney clothing. Like Batman, Popeye, Snoopy. So it was really fun. Like when I was young, I would wear those clothes and I'd be like, yeah, I have Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. And everything was like Madonna and Michael Jackson. And I want to go to America. It's so cool. I mean, I knew English. They taught English, but with a British accent, you know, in Hong Kong. Um, but my, my dad always worked and my mom, she, she was very strict. So it was like me and my younger brother. My older brother ran away a long time ago. <laughs> So I really saw him much, but it was really nice growing up in Hong Kong. I mean, it's like New York, you know, and it's very busy. Um, you go shopping, walk around, eat everything. It's just you don't have time to sit at home and chill like this. Right. Like, I go to school. I come home. I take swimming lessons, piano lessons, and then dinner. Next day, do it over. Weekend, I spend time with my parents. So, so I didn't even really have that many friends of my own. Just like my parents. Uh, friends kids yeah. right they are my friends 
So when I moved to Seattle, I was with my my aunt that um, she, how do you say it? She, she got us the green card or she uh, she helped us get the visa. But um, it was like long time coming because of 1997, you know, the because Hong Kong was going back to China. So my parents were really worried. So a lot of Hong Kong people were immigrating everywhere, Canada, US. Yeah. So we applied for like 10, 15 years. And if we didn't go, it, it would expire. So we were like, no, we got to go. So 1992, that's when we left. And um, I mean, at first it was fine. I, I was still only 12. But but then when I moved to Bothell, we settled in Bothell. And it was like this small town. And there were no Asians there. I mean, there was like two Filipinos. But they thought they were white too. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a Korean that that speaks perfect American English, but um, you know it was it was tough. And then my dad would still fly back to Hong Kong for business business. And then my mom she just tell me to cook all the time, like clean and cook. Because in Hong Kong you can have a housekeeper to help you. You know, people it's it's more affordable. Like most Hong Kong uh, household, they hire some housekeeper or you know a nanny to help because it's way more affordable than in America. So when we moved here, she had nobody to help. So I became her slave. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned how to cook. I learned how to clean. Like I I started doing stuff. I remember I used to chop, like, I don't know. She made me chop garlic and that I didn't, I've never done it. You know, I didn't know. I've never had to. So I was like, she's like, oh my God, you have no brain. Like, how can you not even know how to chop? Like put some effort into it. Like, chop harder, Kiki, chop harder. And I'm just like, shit. <laughs> Sorry, can I curse? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so great memories. And then uh, and then when I was 15, I actually had an autoimmune disease <laughs> that my mom attributed to me going to Disneyland, Slash Mountain. I, I come down from the Slash Mountain, my whole face was pale. A week later, whole face turned orange. And then I went, was wheeled into the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Hospital with oxygen. Like, I don't even know what happened. But my mom still thinks it's because of the Splash Mountain. Like, what do you think, Kelly? <laughs> what do you think happened? I don't, I don't think uh, you get it that quick. <laughs> right? It's really weird. So I was anemic. It was like an autoimmune uh, hemolytic anemia. But the doctors still don't know why. They're like, well, I don't know why. So they just pumped me with a bunch of steroids. And eventually it stabilized. But like I have a joke. Like I had nine packs of blood transfusion. So I joke about it like, oh, my mom says I'm not Chinese anymore. She doesn't know if I'm black, white, Indian. Indian. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know either. I did have nine packs of blood transfusion. That was not fun. Like it stings. Right, you got you got the soul of all these different people, and you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. That's what she says. Right. Do, do Do you find yourself out and you know just acting out of character every once in a while, like? Oh, all the time, crazy. Yeah, it's all those. It's all. Those, it's all that blood, you know. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> she, she did some kind of. So after okay, after that, my dad found out he had nasal cancer. Um, he didn't even smoke. But I don't know. He had nasal cancer. Maybe it's the pollution in Hong Kong. So it was like stage four. So he went kind of blind and one eye and kind of deaf in the, the, the ear. So they went back for a while and then came back. And then, and then you know, my, my parents' marriage fell apart. And then my mom had breast cancer too. Wow. So well, everyone is gangsta. 
sick and cancer is like Seattle is just like wow my favorite place on earth <laughs> but um I can laugh about it now but you know from yeah. from 12 13 14 from then till I was like 23 4 it, it was all like sick cancer cancer sick <laughs> like yeah so okay. so I think the comedy really helped me to not focus on being you know sad and you know, or else I'll be so depressed. So oh. I think I think the comedy really helps me to turn everything into humor. Hey, that helps, man. Comedy, yeah. well, like, you know, humor is the best medicine. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, because uh, I'm highly sensitive to medicine. I can't even take like Benadryl. Like I'll pass out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh uh, shoot, I'm hit. <laughs> I probably still have steroids in my system. Like my mom said, you got to detox. She's like, you got to do coffee enema. I know. Have you heard of that before? <laughs> she Okay, so I brought the cancer thing up because she became a natural healer. So she, she knows about all these Gershon therapy and, yeah. you know, went to Mexico, get oxygen injected in her breast. So she didn't have to get a mastectomy. Um, and she's fine. She, cancer is in remission. Okay. But uh, she's always doing her coffee enemas, and she's trying to convert me. <laughs> she's like, "You got steroids in your system still. You gotta clean. You gotta clean your stuff out." <laughs> what, do, yeah. what? What do you just sh- like shoot coffee up there? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Woo. But it's got me a special organic Mexican coffee. I have a whole pound up on my shelf. I need to use it. Do you, Do you do it hot or cold? You have to do it warm, room temperature. <laughs> you can post the, the 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 recipe if your audience wants to know about it. Because <laughs> she said it helps diabetes, um, obesity, uh, you know, pancreatic problems, liver, cleanse out, detox, everything. The thing is, I'm totally not grossed out about that, and I'm more interested in like, hmm, that sounds. It's got a lot of good therapies. Like it helps you with a lot of stuff. I'll send you some stuff to read. Like, if I told my mom I told you about it, she'd be like, okay, I'll send it. She has, like, a lot of, like, real uh, medical information about it. Actually, I think the Germans, the soldiers in World War II, they would use the coffee enemas to heal themselves into, like, it's like morphine. Oh. All the pain is gone, supposedly, when you do that. But I don't know. I don't even drink coffee. It gives me a headache. So why would I shoot it up that way? It, it also just sounds kind of fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. You try it. <laughs> Maybe it'll help you detox. Right, right, right. You know, I'm I'm, I'm into butt stuff, too, you know, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you return to, um, to Hong Kong, uh, you said later on you uh, returned to Hong Kong. Um, you know, how was that experience like? First time, it, I went back twice. So first time was right after I graduated. Like I produced some shows for a while and then I went back. And that was fun. I, I missed my grandma and I saw my brother. And, um, yeah, it was fun. I, 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 but then I, I would watch like Jay Leno at night because I missed America so much. <laughs> just to feel like normal. It's just so funny. And then when I went back, they're like, you speak Cantonese. Like you sound like a baby. So it's like, oh, before I moved here, I had a British accent. Like, sounds so weird. And now I go back to Hong Kong. I sound like a baby. It's like, I can never win. Like, I don't know. 
I don't belong anywhere. But but then the second time I went back, I actually worked on some big budget um, feature films in Hong Kong and London. Um, that was a that was an interesting experience. I mean, the director is really cool and they're great. But it's just it's just like I was working as production assistant and I was doing a role and I was like doing translation. So it was like it was a huge learning curve because they work differently there. You know, and the way they communicate with people are different. The yeah. style, you know, I feel like in America, there's more courtesy and respect in, in some ways, you know, but but then again, Hong Kong is just the way we talk, you know, it just sounds very stuck up very easily just how we we like to talk we kind of want to be stuck up and kind of arrogant the way we have to talk sometimes but i feel like in america there's union there's you know it's just it's just more oh and there's no smoking on set right <laughs> yeah that's that's just a big thing everybody smoked on set in hong kong <laughs> right next to the wires <laughs> it was like oh, let me I mean, let me in their mouth while they're holding the cords oh, and holding oh yeah, my these, oh right? shoot my uh, oh my oh my cigarettes almost yeah. coming out oh yeah. shoot it's like moving real fast is yeah it was eye-opening i mean Her- the crew is really great but you know it's just different different experience um let me put yeah. out my cigarette on you Arr. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and and i still missed home so i just See that Hong Kong was my home, but now it's it's different. So I, I came back and then I, I started doing stand up and then I don't know, I just I was like, you know, I, I could stay there, I could go back anytime and keep working on those fi- films, but I wanted to create my own stuff, you know, I wanna write more. And so I wanna produce, you know, it wasn't it wasn't enough to just do a small role here, small role there and then wait till who knows somebody gives me a break. <laughs> You know, because I didn't go back in my early 20s. I mean, no. I mean, even if you went, you got to go. My my dad said you got to go back like you're 17, 18, 21. You know, you're 25. You're too old. <laughs> so it, it's kind of the different kind of different kind of uh, business over there. You know, yeah. you don't have as much control in a way. Unless you're a huge star, then you, you get the control. But you got to earn that. It takes a, a long while. And if you're lucky, right? But here, I feel like there, you if you really know what you're doing and you're learning and you you have a good intention of why you're doing the projects that you are, you, I usually attract really good people. Like I met you somehow too, you know, online. You know, I, I, I meet a lot of creatives and, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs and people that just not waiting for people to hand them a, a job or a gig, right? Right. And, and you, can, you can have your own following, you know, your own little, you know, niche group of uh, people you know it's so that's that's what's kind of cool about you know things over here and using technology like the internet and stuff like that is that you can you know you can create your own sort of community yeah and then we can connect you're in detroit i'm in la i mean that's so cool yeah yeah so does um so, so does your british accent from before ever come out anymore I don't know. Sometimes it just sounds like the Kiki accent. Like it was just when I get excited, I don't know what. I mean, I used to talk really soft. Like, it, like <laughs> hi, how are you? Like, I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? I love scones. <laughs> I 
enjoyed watching Murder, she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> you want some brisket? A brisket. Biscuits. Biscuits and tea. I love tea and scones. I bake a lot of, a lot of pound cake. So at the end of uh, last year, you started, you were doing a crowdfunding for your show, Sweet and Sour Chicks. Uh-huh. Um, you're able to get the money. You started everything. So what's the, um, you know, what's the, the, the current status of the show? Uh, definitely with, you know, this quarantine crap going on. We're doing post-production right now. So we're, we're still doing the post-production. I talked to one of the executive producers and he suggested that I don't rush it, you know, rush to show it, just show it online, you know. He said, just wait and try to sell it, you know, try to make the money back and sell it before I start, you know, showing it all over the internet. So I agree, you know, there's no rush. And I feel like um, I, we'll, we'll have little teasers here and there, you know, I'm good at doing that. Like, yeah, this is what I do now and then build it up and then, you know. Um, I feel like really there isn't any content like that, you know. There's no single mom comedian, you know, talking about sex and love, divorce, marriage, girlfriends, you know. And the, I mean, the other two girlfriends, one of them is like a pop singer, songwriter. The other, and then the other one's like a man eater guru. She's she's like a health guru, and you know, like you. But there's like a balance, you know. Sometimes you just see the the Asian female characters certain ways, like. How Lucy Liu, you know, I think before people always say, oh, Lucy Liu, right? Like more dragon lady type, like fighting Kung Fu, which is great. I loved her. I don't mind playing that either. But, but you know, I feel like we're moving towards like more three-dimensional, even more, you know, it's just not all about her being sexy or all about her being, being a fighter, but she's smart too. And, or she could have vulnerability, you know, like she could, she, she doesn't have to be strong all the time. Right. right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm mumbling now. <laughs> <laughs> I got mommy brain fog. <laughs> it's all good. But um, you know, with you know, with doing this show and at this point where you're just kind of in post production and waiting, uh, mm-hmm. just not taking time. You know, how do you sort of? And I know you're good at this, but like like you said with like the teasers and stuff. But uh-huh. you know, how do you sort of be patient with the projects? Like when it's not finished yet, when I'm, or from the beginning to. Yeah. How how do you just like, you know, let it, you know, let it just sit, you know, and, and when, and let it, you know, let things happen when they're gonna, when they need to happen. Yeah. Like over time, like, you know, I used to, I used to really pursue trying to be an actress, you know, I would audition. I've done so many casting workshops, you know, stuff. And I always like like feel like oh i was so desperate or wanting to get a role all the time i don't know as i'm getting older becoming a mom and i just feel like there's so many things that if it's for you it's gonna be for you and then i I, i've learned to trust my my instincts more and i feel like with the crazy occasions with the festival and everything that i've been doing with sweet and star chicks it's like the more i trust it and like if i feel like i'm pushing i just do the opposite it usually works out like i i had someone else getting the funding to, I was, I was getting the funding from someone, but then it wasn't happening during the seed and spark campaign. And then for a moment, I'm like, damn, like I worked two months to just prepare for that, film the pitch and do all that stuff for the perks and all. It's like a whole project, you know, it's like Patreon. And then, and then now I won't get a big investment from this 
this investor that wanted to invest because it, it like somehow you know things always happen yeah um i mean but then somehow some the other this person i've never met somehow i don't know maybe he ran across the page he liked it he, he thought maybe he'd never seen anything like that and he's a legit producer he produces films and stuff a lot of projects so he green lighted us and i was like wow I'm, I'm so surprised that happened but i think it's because all the stuff that i was doing with crazy vocations that it gave my project more legitimacy too you know because i've been i've been establishing the name and like what we do our content and what we promote our mission you know creating opportunities for asian americans so I think all of that combined, and I feel like if we do the work, then we should just be confident and trust in the work, you know, and yeah. just, just let it be. And then, so sometimes like, oh, sweet and sour chicks right now, post-production, I can't think about it too much. So I just, I'm producing this crazy Wogasians virtual comedy festival because there are so many coronavirus racism and none of the comedians can do any more comedy, you know, in front of a live audience. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of them don't have, they don't have gigs now. So I just, all those factors. And I was like, huh, Asian Heritage Month is coming. Like, that's why I had the solo performance festival. I was trying to have it in May so we can celebrate. But I was like, oh, now I moved it to end of September. Hopefully that'll happen, right? Who knows? But, um, so I was like, ah, oh, I still want to do something for Asian Heritage Month. So I was like, well, Zoom went, uh, went pretty well. Why not just, just do three days of different karaoke shows, sketch comedy, music yeah. comedy. So, so that's, and so I'm focusing on that. Then I'm not focusing so much on sweet and sour chicks and thinking what's going to happen. And I got to do this and make it happen too, you know? So it's kind of a balance of having another focus and my son, <laughs> he keeps me very <laughs> busy all the time and, and just, you know, like I said, just be confident with what you have, right? You know how, you know, like yeah. you have a project, you put your heart and soul into it. it. It came about for a reason, right? If it wasn't meant to be, I feel like it wouldn't have gotten funded, right? And then we, we didn't have enough to, to, to fund the post-production. So I had to get another investor for that too. So the fact that that happened, I feel like maybe the universe, God, is showing me like, maybe this is the timing that, you know, because before I would try to write stuff, but I never actually you know, got funded for it like that. Cause the pilot, I funded it myself, you know, the year yeah. before. <laughs> and I just didn't even think about, it. I just thought, oh man, I'm with the kid all the time. He was a really young baby then. I, I need to do something. I need to write about something. And I always liked sex in the city, but you never see like an Asian girlfriend in there. They never dated an Asian guy, no, no. right? It was like a Morris Chestnut. I think the one black guy that's some, uh, Miranda no, I think it, wait, wasn't no, it was uh, it was Blair Underwood. Oh, Blair Underwood, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I only know that because somebody just mentioned that on something. I, I forget, <laughs> like I forget what it was. Oh, it was like on Deezus Amaro. That's what they they mentioned oh. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, oh, I, I, so it's been like ten years. I've been wanting to to make something about Asian women. Uh, their friendship and and like comedy but a lot of love and about love and sex about it like I always find that's very interesting how how like I would I almost looked up to these women you know like you you start watching the shows and it's like oh my gosh sex in the city is so fun it's so cool the the relationships are so great and but but you you can't help but wonder like and now there's insecure right 
that yeah. show is great too. I love it. You know, it's like they, the relationships of the two main characters and the other girlfriends. And so I feel like there really hasn't been an Asian. Maybe there is. I don't know. I haven't really seen one, but that is in my age group, like in the 30s, right? Right. Like, like talking about marriage, divorce, babies, motherhood, stuff like that. So, yeah. Right, right, right. When um, when did you know how you know how did you? Was there anybody that you looked up to, you know, coming up where you were you know when learning about creating and writing and producing shows? Or was that, you know where where did your sort of learn you know education on that kind of stem from? I just I read a lot of like self help spiritual books for a long time. Like I, I've read so many stuff and I. I I used to watch Oprah stuff a lot and listen to her and stuff because, you know, she's a minority, she's a black woman. And I mean, back then, there wasn't really any Asian woman that was like having her own talk show, you know, in the 90s, you know, calling the shots and just giving everybody a car, everybody a car, you know, everybody gets a car. Like, so I, I, I was seeing how I was like following her a lot and seeing how she, she produces movies, she speaks for her community, she creates opportunities. She, she elevates the community, like show a different side of, you know, the, the black people. Right. And I feel, I feel like I aspire to doing that, you know, and my mom, she, she doesn't, she didn't want me to act my parents, but then somehow they always said I make a good host. She even said, maybe you can have a talk show someday. She always said that to me. It's very strange. I don't know why. I don't know why she used to say that. I guess she thinks I'm a good host or something, but I was like 10 when she said that. Right, so kind of, I was like, really, I'm a good host. Okay, I don't. She just thought that I would be a good host. So um, so when when I would watch Oprah stuff, I'm like, oh, that would be kind of cool to have like a talk show or you know talk to different people and you know and then create film productions and all this kind of stuff, right? So and then I I, I looked up to Dave Chappelle. I would watch his show, you know, back. Back then on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. I just thought all the racist stuff that he did was so funny, but then you related to it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was, he was so smart about it. Like, I'm still trying to figure out every time I watch it, like, how, how does he come up with all that? Like, how does his brain work? Right, yeah. The Chappelle show was on, on a whole other level. Yeah, like, was he high the whole time when he created that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Something, man. He was like, I. That that show is just on a whole other level. Where you're like every week, you're like, yeah. Every week it's more like, you know, and you know, with Crazy Woke Asians, I I've been thinking about taking the the format to another level, you know, because right now we showcase different comedians, you know, which is great. But I wanna eventually, I want it to be like, like um, I want to do like a woke Q and A kind of like game thing, maybe like a battle thing, like. You know, but I mean, we we call crazy woke Asians like with the name, but it's not like we're so woke that we just think everyone is whack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not so like we are woke. You know? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I got that name from I was listening to a uh, Childish Gambino a lot <laughs> when I saw that movie. What's that movie? Uh. The scary movie. It was. It's not us. Us is new one. Oh, I mean, no. um, Get Out. Yeah, get out! I watched it like ten, 10 million times. And I keep hearing that song on uh, uh, "Stay Woke" on uh, the the Pandora, and I was like, I was brushing my teeth one day. I was like, well, they were doing all these like 
you know, the the actors, they were all taking the Asian roles, like with the Doctor Strange and all that stuff for a while, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And then I was like, man, what's new? And I was like brushing my teeth. I'm like, man, just piss me off. I'm like, I'm crazy and woke. <laughs> like crazy woke Asians. That's a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> so it just stuck, you know? Sometimes people like come to the show that I don't know if they're expecting us to say some real woke shit, but I don't right. know. I mean. I mean, being an Asian doing stand-up in America, like, if, especially for me, an immigrant, I came in when I was 12, you know? So English was my second language. Like, that's pretty woke to me that I can even do that, and I'm producing, so I don't even need to try to be woke. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like I already, I'm, I already, like, been a lot, been through a lot, like, my, my the way I grew up, you know, being the only Asian all the time, and I got made fun of with my accent, and you know, just just defying my parents' wishes, becoming an actor and like stand up. My my dad, he passed. He'd be like, "What stand up? You sit down, like <laughs> stand up, man." He'd What's be like, that? "Why you think you're funny, man? Why you think I don't laugh at anything you say, Kiki? You're not funny, like you're what? not funny." <laughs> but seriously, my dad passed. But if he knew I was doing stand up, he would just be like, "Okay." You're not <laughs> like, funny. What? He's like, how do you make a living? How do you make money? Mary how do you make money on that? <laughs> yeah, how? He's like, you're not funny. Then he'll he'll name somebody that's funny that you're like, yeah, you're not funny. This guy's funny. Yeah, I, he. I mean, he would fall asleep. He used to come watch my theater shows, and he would pass out. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see him. You know, it's just like great. Well, at least he showed up. That's cool. You know, but. But yeah, so I forgot your question. I just started talking a lot. No, that's fine. But okay, so um, when you had your son, you know, what what was sort of like going through your mind about, you know, what you wanted to do in regards to your projects and things that was kind of floating in your mind. You know, did you ever just want to give all that up, or you know, what was sort of you know going through your mind at that time? Oh, I was like. I was taking him to go auditions with me all the time. And I was like, man, this is tiring. And that's when I was still nursing him, you know? And I was like pumping while I'm driving on the 110 freeway. <laughs> like, he's crazy. And then he's like crying in the backseat. And I would have other actors trying to watch him for me while I go in for like five minutes auditions, like an hour drive. That was crazy. And, and I just thought, you know, my dad was a musician. But he, he was a really great musician, too. He sang, he played piano, self-taught, guitar, drums. I mean, he was very talented, and he played in a band for years. And he almost got signed to a label, but he just thought that is not legitimate. Like, he'd rather be a businessman. Like, his his mentality, you know, was like, yeah. I want to make money. I want to call the shots. I want to be the man that has a company, you know. So he gave that up. But his whole life, I watched him. He always singing, dancing. And I feel like, his company didn't work out at the end, you know, and and uh, I think I can see that he had regrets. Like he wanted maybe a little part of him wondered, you know, and I wondered too, like if he just kept singing and performing, man, man, that would be easy for me now. Shoot, I'll be like on the stage, 30,000 people. Yeah, so, you'd be like the second generation of this exactly. family, yeah. Yeah, which would actually be kind of hard because he'd be like, that song sucks, you know, because I used to want to be a pop singer, right? Because my dad was saying I played the piano, I sang all my life. That's why I do karaoke, but I, I don't try to sing good. 
Because before I'd be like, oh, I don't sound perfect. I don't want to put it up. But karaoke is fine. You're supposed to be silly. You're supposed to be awful, yeah. So I just don't care, you know? That's how I could even put it out on my Instagram. But before, it's like everything, I got to be perfect. I was classically trained. I was supposed to be a classical pianist. I know, it's so stereotypical. But Totally. <laughs> I know, so 10 years of piano. I was like, peace out. I'm not taking piano anymore. I don't want to be Chinese, uh, a typical Chinese girl. Like, I wanted to play drums. And my dad's like, drums are for boys. And I'm like, damn it. You know, and I wanted to be a fashion designer for a while. And my, my dad was like, oh, if you, if you work for Versace or Gucci or else forget about it. But the ironic thing is, he he was an entrepreneur. He has his own label, like right. his own brand of clothing. But then he's telling me like what I couldn't. It's kind of strange. It's, I don't know why. I guess I was too young to really think about like. Huh. So I just ran away from home. You went. You went through the whole like variety of of dreams a little girl has. Yeah, but you know, in the back of my mind, someday, you know, I have crazy vocation T-shirts now. You know. But someday I still want to have like my own clothing line, my own perfume line, my own spa. Like there's so <laughs> many things that I want to do. Like like comedy show is like a, a, the beginning of it. You know, I want to build a platform for like a lot of com- Asian comedians. Like like Def Jam in a way. Like I don't want to compare, but like like um well there's no comparison. But I was watching the Def Jam reunion or whatever, where all the comedians came back from 20 years ago, and they're like, this helped me to you know, get more exposure and platform. I, I mean, I aspire to that. You right. know? Why not? Dream, dream big or bigger, right? So I do aspire to that. And and I think that keeps me going too because I have a grander vision um, bigger than just try to get this money, you know, do the show here and there, you know, make make the show sell out here. And I, I have more of a vision of what other projects I want to do and how I can create more opportunities, uh, even a bigger platform for Asian comedians. And and maybe it won't be just for Asians in the future, you know? You never know. I mean I mean the virtual festival I've included all kinds of non Asians. <laughs> so it's good. And all over the country, you know? Like uh, there's people from Mississippi, Atlanta, Chicago, the UK, Australia, Canada. Yeah. Like the, I, I think this quarantine thing is good. Because I could never do that, right? If I was doing live shows. Yeah, this uh, this quarantine is making people uh, be creative, like yes. forcing people to be creative with what we have, you know, our yeah. limited resources and stuff like that. So, you know, there's yeah. there's some like really cool things that are happening. Yeah, and my my comedian friends like, yeah, I think I think I think God wanted us to all chill out, you know, like just just be be not so social for a while too, like. You know, just be and, and let the earth breathe, man. You, there's like places around, like there's. Well, here in LA, like you know. Oh yeah, it's nice out. The, there's the, no smog. <laughs> yeah, China. I hear the 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 air cleared out too. It's great. Yeah, there's like yeah, like the earth is breathing right now, man. Like, so it, it yo, it's like crazy, like that that. Yeah, I think I think I think Mother Nature just wanted us to chill, you know, and yeah. and not. You know, suck the life yeah. out of, of uh, planet Earth. I think that's what we were doing, just consuming, over-consuming. <laughs> and I think now we, we get to just sit. And what a privilege. We get to sit at home. We're, at least we have a roof. I mean, if you think about it in those terms, like, well, we have food and we have a roof. And, I mean, you know, I do see a lot of homeless around, too, or that don't have anywhere to go but the street. You know, it is L.A. 
So I feel very blessed, you know. But I mean, sometimes I still get anxious about it. Suddenly I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I can't go to the gym. I can't go walk around the bookstore. I can't. Like right now, I'm loving talking with you because I want some face-to-face with somebody. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's good socializing already, right? Like before this, I've never done a Zoom before. Like I did that couple of Zoom comedy shows. That's it. But before this quarantine, I've never, I've, I've never done Zoom before. So, you know, with this platform that you have, you know, what's the importance of, of sort of uplifting each other in this, uh, in the, in the community that you kind of have with, with, uh, all these different, you know, Asian comedians and actors and whatnot, you know, what, you know, what sort of, you know, um, What's sort of like the balance of like support supporting them and then offering some uh, constructive criticism within that community? <laughs> well, you know, comedians don't want your feedback unless you know they ask for it. I yeah. mean, I'm that way too. So, I mean, if I I watch everybody, if their energy is good, you know, you can you're allowed to have like a bad night here and there. You know, everybody has that. Even like you know, Dave Chappelle can have a bad night. You know. Yeah. So I feel like it's all about the the energy and the attitude. So if the, you know, a comedian they have great energy, great attitude. They just you know, I I usually have pretty established comedians, but I would put like a few you know more up and coming. Yeah. Um, I I don't try to put people that are not ready because that's just bad for my audience, right? Nobody yeah. wants to sit there watch someone get really nervous and like trying to test out their jokes on them. You gotta do the work. Go do your mic. Go. Do bringer shows, whatever you do, get used to it, right? Before you go up to a show like my show at the comedy store, like people expect you to bring it, right? So um, I usually have a pretty decent lineup, you know, to, to begin with. So I don't really have to offer too many criticism at all. And if I sense someone's not being grateful or they have an attitude, like they're too good to be there, you know, that kind of feeling, then I just don't bring them back. Because yeah. <laughs> there's so many people that is like emailing me every day, like all the time wanting to be on it, you know, and I do try to remember people, but, you know, if they keep, they keep reminding me in a not annoying way, you know, then eventually, or just come to a show, then you support it and I can, I, I really like to meet the person. I can feel if they're going to be funny or not already most of the time, you know? Yeah, that, you that's know, kind you, of like how it is in any sort of uh community like i you know during my adult years i came up in the hip-hop scene here in detroit and it was like the people that would go out and support the shows you'd see their face out at shows that that those are the people that got the opportunities you know because they were they were putting in the work to support the scene and be there you know be and be present yes and they come up say hi and you know congratulate you and you know and just just happy for you then i feel like man i want to do something for you i want you to be part of it too you know like bring you on the show and sometimes when another comedian vouch for someone and introduce me that tells like someone that i really respect and they like this guy is really funny you gotta have then i'm like okay okay and then i'll put them on the next show sometime yeah yeah. this depends on the timing um but for like my sweet and sour chicks i went through a long long process for casting the two other uh, leads, the female leads, like the two best friends. It took me a while. Like I found someone that was like a real singer songwriter. She was great and her acting was great. But somehow, like, I guess there was a conflict that came up last minute, but 
that they should know. This that is my pet peeve, okay? Like, why are you gonna try to audition, waste my time like five, four, five times? I don't know, like, do callback, callback, and then to know you get it, then tell me you can't do it. Like, I don't even get that. Like, if I'm gonna spend three, four times going somewhere and talk, communicating for like a couple of weeks, doing a few scenes, and you know, doing chemistry, we, I, I'm, I'm gonna be available when it happens. I'm not gonna suddenly tell you, oh, I, I'm gonna be on a gig, like, like that's such a slap in the face, right? Yep, like, yep. Like, why you waste my time? Like, I could have just used that time to cast someone else, right? Like, I just wish people are more respectful when they do that. But uh, so I had to recast again, like open it up. But at first, the, the 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 character I had my 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 friend in mind who was in the pilot, she's great. But then she moved to Canada. And I couldn't really afford to bring someone from Canada, you know? Yeah. And because SAG and everything too. So so the producers just didn't agree with me to, you know, bring someone out of town, you know, for, you know, for budget reasons, for, you know, union reasons. So I had to, and I thought I found somebody and then like after weeks and then I have to do it again. And luckily I found, I found this other actress and she's, she's great. So, and it worked out because I, and then I found, this other actress who was reading for another like supporting role, but I was like, uh, it doesn't quite fit. But then she had a great look for like the man eater, the girlfriend. I was like, maybe I should have her read it. So I was just reading people with other different roles because that's how hard it became. Okay. Um, and then, and then she was really good. And then we did the chemistry read and then, and then, yeah. And then, so we did a lot of rehearsals. So if, if anyone is not off book, I, I really get on it because because I direct and write it and I have to know all the lines too, right? Like you can at least just know your lines. Like for actors, that's how I feel about it. Like, yeah. When I do a project, you hire me, I'm going to know my part and my lines. I'm not going to be like, I'm sorry, I forgot the script. So those are like little things. If I would critique anybody, you know, it would be those things. Just just at least know your lines and, and, and to go a little bit above and beyond if you can yeah <laughs> like i would right like like try to come up with creative ideas for the character you know like really try to build like be open to improvising some things you know stuff like that then i know if like just like the comedians next time i know if i want to work with them again <laughs> you know if you're unprepared you're late you forgot where rehearsal <laughs> is you you don't freaking bring your wardrobe Right? You don't know where your script is? Oh my gosh. I'm just like, you could get out. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> a long time this time for casting, like, just to make sure, like, and, and I think that kind of pays off. Because the, the executive producer is like, you really got to find someone, like, really strong actress. Like, that's what's going to make the show. Like, everybody got to be strong actor. Yeah. It, yeah. It can't be just like someone with a high following, you know, looks good. You got you to be able to be funny and improv and know what they're doing yeah sometimes so, you see you know things online where like you see you see what it could be but like uh, the, i hate that like the 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 actor the actress just yeah. isn't there yeah. you know yeah and you're like oh this is taking me out and then the, it's so funny when you say that oh what it could be it's like <laughs> like yeah what? you're like because oh. we put so much work into it right like any a good project takes so much work just as like a, a bad project right yeah like you don't know how good it's gonna be or bad until it comes out like how people relate right 
because everything's so subjective. I could love it, and you could be like, blah, whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, it's just so at least to have those elements that you can control, like the actors that are, are they they know their craft, they're good at what they do, you know, and they can bring to it like. All the people I work with on the crew I've worked with before, they they've been supportive. So I would kind of knew them, except for the DP. Like I hired her from uh, Huhaha, which is Elizabeth Banks' um, platform for female comedians, and she she's great, you know. But the other all the the other people I've worked with during Crazy Walk Asians or like the pilot, so so it was nice, you know. So even if I was directing, I my AD was pretty helpful. And I, I I trusted like the DP and the camera guys, so you know I kind of I, I watch the playback and, and then I can see what I can adjust like or what the scene can adjust you know with the acting and and then just making sure everybody gets all the shots that we need you know because the pilot we had a round table scene it was so crazy it was like a 15 hour overnight shoot or something I, I forgot it was crazy and we we had to get it right away we had three cameras but somehow we still didn't get one of the angles. I don't know what happened, and it was on the shot list. But the eighty said we shot it. <laughs> so this time, I know. So this time, I cannot rely on anybody like two one hundred percent. I gotta be on it myself too. You know what I mean? Like you. Know, it's understandable. Right? It's understandable. Right? You know, like you don't want to micromanage. You don't want to control too much. But then at the same time, the end result is whoa. We don't have this side footage of the, the people's faces talking. It's only that side, and then. You know, so you learn, you know, you learn. Right, right. Yeah, before we, you know, wind down this episode, there's some, you know, something I always like to uh, ask my uh, my guests. And that question is, what sort, what sort of a nugget of knowledge, a lesson from your life and career that anybody listening to this interview, it doesn't matter what they do, could sort of project into their own life? Doesn't matter what they, oh, just, just really no dream is too big. Right, like, like I really feel like if you, like I said before, feel confident in what you you're doing. Like when you trust the work. I remember someone, my my acting teacher showed, like I was showing her my uh, headshot resume, and she was like, "You have a lot of stuff on here." She's like, "You don't need to put all that. You you know, just trust the work like that you've done. It's good, and then trust that and just connect it to your 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 passion and your dream." And I feel like, I know it sounds, it sounds like, oh, dream big. But, but really, I don't think a lot of people dream big anymore. I feel like a lot of people just dream like in their dream, like when they're sleeping, but they don't really have a vision, like dream, like, and yeah. actually take the action to do it. I feel like you just take one foot in front of the other, like, and then you attract people, you know, like you're, I met you somehow. And then you, you, you helping me tell my stories. Like I get to share my stories on your platform, you know, like, I feel like if you take this, the leap of faith, you take the leap of faith, maybe it doesn't look like what, what you think it is, but it, eventually it kind of all comes together. Like I never thought I would do stand up, like never really. Right. My best friend from college started when she was 10 years, 10 years ago. And I watched her out at the Gotham comedy club in New York. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. I can never do that. Like, that's very cool though. And now look at me now. I'm actually producing a, a comedy show, and then I got it in the comedy store, which is we're the only all Asian com comedy show at the the comedy store nice. in Hollywood. So I, I I really feel like if your intention is there, and and you have to let go of things that are not serving you, 
It's a very long answer. Sorry. No, go ahead. Like, like if I was keep getting stuck on, I want to be an actress. I want to win an Oscar. I want to be a go go go. I want to act. I want to act. I want to be in the movies. I would never do any of this, and so much joy I would lose. Right? So much time. And sometimes I look back. I'm like, damn, I spent like 15, 18 years like doing, pursuing acting. But now somehow because of the comedy, I'm actually writing differently. You know, because. Stand up, you're gonna write concise and, and, and like to the point. And yeah. I feel like it helped me as an actor because I can connect with people better. It helped me with my comedy, helped me with my communication skills. And and then I I I produced my dream project pretty much. I mean I don't know what's gonna happen, but it is like my dream project, my yellow sex in the city dream project, right? Sweet and star chicks. So I feel like from all that it kinda led to that. It, it circled back. So I feel like if it's meant to be, it it, it, will, it will work out. Right, like I feel, I really feel that way. After twenty, how long? Twenty-five years of pursuing like my acting, like I feel like, whatever. I don't even when I do my my self tapes now. Before I get all like, oh, what should I? I should do this, or I I feel like my character would be talking that way. I have all these backstories, but now I feel like, what would Kiki do in yeah. this situation? And calm down, because I took so many classes that just tell you all these techniques, and it's like so in your head. Now I'm just like, just trust your instincts. Like with any job, even office job, trust your instincts. Like you know how to handle it, or else you wouldn't be here at this moment, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you get to enjoy the process more. Like I'm enjoying doing the self tapes more. I'm not thinking, oh, are they gonna call me? Am I gonna get like whatever? Like I don't need it. I feel like. Get it great. No, then okay. I'm doing my own thing anyways. And actually, I turned down a lot of auditions too now because I'm trying to focus on crazy vocations in my stand-up. So I, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I feel like just don't hold on to some things that you, you think that's your dream. Like just have a bigger dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. One bigger dream. Yeah, like I think that's something that's really uh, been evident in my life the past few years I've been you know through you know a lot of life changes going through therapy discovering myself a lot more to that you're like you know you're able I was able to to let go of bullshit things that just you know wasn't just wasn't there for me and was just was just like giving me was like almost like keeping me down it was like a weight on my shoulder more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah no no i feel you when you know when you say that yeah so um before we get out of here it was i just want to say thank you for being on uh the fresh of the word podcast uh it's been a long time coming it's been great talking with you i'm glad to get some FaceTime with somebody these days yeah. um Go ahead and, um, you know, where can go, um, people go online to uh, follow you or any of your uh, your shows or anything? Go ahead and plug everything. Okay, so social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is at Crazy Woke Asians, W-O-K-E. <laughs> Some people say Crazy Walk, like W-O-K. I'm like, no, it's Crazy Woke Asians. It's not and a walk, you know, head. we're not cooking. You're not cooking no, stuff. No, I'm not cooking right now, okay? I got a walk in my balcony, but I'm not cooking. Uh, crazy woke Asians. That'll be that'll head. be your your next show. You'll have a cooking show called Crazy Walk Asians. I should. I'll be like, ah, hi, you guys want some pineapple fried rice? <laughs> and then the website is crazywokeasians.com. 
And then for me, my my social media, um, it's at Kiki, K-I-K-I, Funny Mama. Hey, yo, thank you for listening to this episode of Fresh is the Word, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh is the word. Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh is the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh to the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh to the word. Follow Fresh to the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh to the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh to the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh to the Word. For more information about Fresh to the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.